Before the bloodbath begins, slither your way over to the host's socials. For the podcast, slash over to Twitter at the BHO underscore podcast. Instagram, the Baron's Hideout Podcast. Then stab over to Dean's Instagram at Dean of the Dead Hot Sauce. Listen to the show on your favorite apps and Patreon. Enjoy the sleigh and try to stay alive. For the next period of time, strap in as the hosts rip and tear at the unsuspecting guests, and which the their dark secrets and methods of the genre. In this bloodbath, no one gets out alive. This is within the barracks. Welcome. I'm your host, Dustin. And I'm your co-host, Dean of the Dead. And joining us today for night two of our Losers Club series is Jared Blanchard and Bart Mixon. Um, as we discuss what it was like on set and how it was with everything that followed with the years after to present day, um, we're going to be taking a deep dive into the Barons together. So how's everybody going? I guess we'll start with, with Bart. How are you doing? Oh, very good. Thanks. Uh, happy to be here. Uh, as you'll discover uh, during this conversation, I love talking about it. So, uh, um, raring to go. Awesome. What about you, Jared? How are you doing? Oh, uh, uh, wonderful. Like I said, I'm just, uh, just, I finally saw the, the documentary myself. Um, I'm, I'm honored to, to have been a part of the original film and to be a part of a, of a, a great documentary about, uh, which some people consider to be a, a seminal kind of television event and uh, happy to be here with you guys as well. Thanks for having me. Thank you for, you know, being here. This is really a dream come true to uh, myself and Dean. Um, we got to chat with um, John and Gary when the documentary came out. Um, then we talked to Brandon and Ben a couple of weeks back, and now we got Bart and Jared on. So, I mean, we're, we're just making our rounds you know, everybody who, who was, you know, part of the film, uh, it was and possibly Marlon as well. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> he, Marlon. May he, jump might. In. <laughs> he might. Yeah. Um, he may jump in somewhere down the line. I'll yeah. believe it when I see it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so you know, funny. everyone said that so far as well. Gary, when Gary, no, was he, was he supposed to be on with Gary and John? I oh, know that was with Ben and uh, that was Brandon, with, uh, Brandon and Ben. Yeah. So that was the last uh, time. They said yep. the same thing. Yeah, they were like, wait, wait until right at the very end when we're just signing off. Marlon will jump in and go, hey, hey, I'm here. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, this is really is, you know, another dream come true with having to um, talk to other people that are part of really my, my childhood. Uh, it was a huge, huge part of my childhood. Um, I started on TV when I was, when I was young. Um, and then I couldn't finish it my first time through. And then I, ha I had to watch it maybe three or four other times to finally get through the whole thing. Um, and once I did, I had nightmares for days. <laughs> um, so, I mean, that's all to everybody we've been talking to. Like, um, you know, Bart and Jared, you guys were, were my nightmares. But it was good. It was good nightmares because it, it made me who I am today. <laughs> just, just doing our jobs. So. Yes, exactly. Um, and one thing I kind of like to do with uh, anybody that we have on the show is I like to kind of bring it back to the beginning. Um, so, Bart, I, I wanted to ask you, where, where did, um, you know, getting to special effects and, and makeup, uh, when did that all begin? 
pretty much as a kid. I mean, I was, I guess I grew up in the 60s. So I guess I was what they now call a monster kid. Uh, I was a fan of famous monsters and magazine and, you know, Ray Harryhausen movies. Uh, the original King Kong's my all-time favorite movie. Oh, wow. I was a big, big Marvel Comics fan, uh, particularly a Jack Kirby fan. Um, so I just started making my own uh super eight movies when i was a kid in the early 70s and learned a lot of wrong ways to do crude makeup effects and <laughs> eventually learned the right way uh going to comic book conventions in houston which is where i'm from uh rick baker was a guest there in 1977 and um he uh, gave me his contact information and we stayed in touch and uh i visited him over the years and you know continued to practice and then slowly Got work on real shows um, in the early early eighties, uh, stuff like RoboCop, where Rick had, uh, introduced me to Rob Boutine, um, and that was all while I was still living in Texas. Like I worked on Chainsaw Two and RoboCop, and and then I moved out to LA and uh, been there in uh, LA since eighty seven. So wow, been, been a pro since I guess since eighty six. So wow. Um, what about you, Jared? Where did it all kind of begin with you with, with acting? I know that, you know, you were really young when, when it came out, but was there anything that followed um, before it that, you know, kind of took place? Um, well, a lot of, uh, a lot of community theater. Um, actually, it was my third audition, my third professional audition. Oh, wow. I just got, yeah, I just got signed to an, uh, an agency and um, I think I'd done one um, Canadian American co-production, a guest starring role on a little-known television series, and then right after that, uh, was informed by my agent that, you know, I, I had this wonderful opportunity to audition for a major role in 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 uh, in the Stephen King's It, and of course, my I can't describe to you the feeling the 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 feeling of um, overwhelming uh, pressure, at being a huge Stephen King fan to begin with. Yeah. Was you a horror fan way back then, Jared? As well, was it? Like, oh yeah, I I I didn't want, or... yeah, I didn't want anything to do with um with my education. All I did was actually spend as much time as I possibly could in the library, and and no mm. word of a lie, um, devoured every Stephen King novel. In particular, like the first five, um, wow. were my um were the basis for for my uh, first uh, ventures into the literary uh, world. So. Wow. Some of that's quite heavy reading at a young age as well, isn't it? Especially the eight novel, it's, it's huge. It's such a... Yeah, yeah. And The Shining. The Shining also was, yeah, was particularly wow. impactful. Yeah. Um, yeah, but it's it, his his first five books, I think, are probably, well, some of the all-time classics in terms of, of the genre. But, I mean, he, he's got to be given greater greater credence in terms of his his literary output as a, as a whole. He's much more than a horror, horror writer. Shouldn't be ghettoized, I think. He's, he's extraordinary. Oh, I agree, and um, I'm a madman, and I've read through the It book about eight times. <laughs> oh my! Yeah, really? um, throughout my whole life, I've I've read it, and I love it every time because there's so much to it, and you always pick up new things. Um, so uh, that's very true. What really kind of sparked my interest with Stephen King because that was the first book I ever read by, from him. I think my mom oh, gave really? it to me, and then um, um, because I watched the 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 miniseries or the movie um first and then she was like you know this was this was off of a based off of a book and i was really really young i was still in school i think i was in middle school 
and she bought me the book and I actually still have it. It's actually right over there. And um, I read through it every now and then. Not the whole thing, but I pick certain chapters. I'm like, I'm going to go revisit this. And every time I read it, I'm like, I need to go back and watch the 1990 movie now. Uh, it's such a great film. Um, and Jared, I'm sorry that <laughs> you listened to our um, our Versus episode on uh, you know the new one and the old one. But regardless of whatever we said in that one, like the 1991, it always holds a much better and stronger place in my heart um oh don't apologize i was just trying to give you a hard time <laughs> no, you know, it's funny because it, it, inevitably what happens um is when the new films came out um people tend to revisit the the original film and i have to tell you guys i mean for a very very long period of time i thought the film had disappeared into the ether i thought it had suffered the fate of many a, a television movie um until it was finally released on videotape i walked into blockbuster one day which is my, my the two churches that I, I belong to are the library and the video store, which they no longer <laughs> exist, unfortunately, because Blockbuster was a great pleasure to go into. Um, and as I said, I thought the film had disappeared into the ether. And then one day it got released on video and it experienced, again, a complete resurgence in terms of its um, uh, popularity and availability, obviously. Oh, yeah, for sure. Mm. Um, Dean, I don't know if you had any questions that you went right now before I jump to my next one. Um, um, I'm good. I guess Bart, you were talking about um, when he was sort of taking it back um, a minute ago. One of the questions I was going to say were, who were your main influences? You mentioned like Ray Harryhausen. Um, who were kind of your main influences when you were sort of trying to get, you know, get your own sort of style? Um, well, I've again, I was a huge Rick Baker fan, um, so he probably he at least made it seem you know, obtainable uh, in terms of having a career like this, because he was only uh, eight years older, or he is only eight years older than I. But certainly growing up, I mean, Jack Pierce and, you know, um, the original Planet of the Apes of John Chambers, uh, right, yeah. the William Tuttle's uh, Seven Faces of Dr. Lowe, uh, which got an Oscar in 64 uh, for makeup, uh, where Tony Randall plays like six, you know, he plays multiple characters, which I think that was the first time it kind of dawned on me, like what a makeup artist you know, that how they can transform, you know, actors into, you know, various characters. Um, and so that those kind of things planted the seed. But then uh, Famous Monsters magazine had an article on uh, Rick Baker in uh, around 1970. And up until that point, I thought it was like an old man's game. I mean, I was like 12 <laughs> years old. And so all the profession, professional, you know, people you saw in the photos, they were all, you know, older guys, which they were probably like 30 or something, but they all had lab coats and ties and you know <laughs> just you know kind of look like you know i guess you know just adults and then rick was uh 18 at the time and uh was i think just on schlock and like i thought the design wise the ape and schlock i thought was much better than mm. anything in planet of the apes just sculpturally and you know that sort of thing so and again it's like this guy was a, a, a kid basically and was doing a stuff as good or better in my eyes than the pros uh, yeah. or the established guys so at least it made it seem like it was possible for somebody like me but you know he lived in LA I lived in Texas so I still had other hurdles to to overcome but um so probably I, I'm life lifelong Rick Baker fan but then also I mean just a fan of makeup in general so I mean you know again Dick Smith and John Chambers and as the years went by guys like Rob Bottin and Greg Canham and you know you name it so just you know I like good makeup, so yeah, I don't know why. I, I, I like 
I like glue and rubber on people's heads, which is probably <laughs> kind of weird sickness, but, uh, but anyway, it's, uh, it's a living. <laughs> hey, it's, it's a great one. I mean, you create all these amazing creatures and, and in characters. I mean, it, I mean, working with Tim Curry, um, how, how was it with working with him and being able to, you know, mold his face into what it is that we see now on, on, on the movie? Right. Well, obviously fantastic. I mean, you couldn't ask for a better collaborator, you know, with that kind of, you know, uh, kind of a makeup. I mean, uh, some makeups are, you know, they're monster makeups and it doesn't really matter, you know, who's under it. But then you have more of the character type makeups and, you know, like Freddy Krueger without Robert England isn't really Freddy Krueger. Yeah. You know, Tim, I remember a friend of mine when Legend came out, a friend of mine was like, yeah, why did Barry tim curry under all that makeup you know for that devil you know and it's like you need an actor of his caliber to be able to act through that stuff in, in mm. life and so all these i mean that's why those are memorable characters or, or memorable makeups because you've got a, a strong actor behind it i mean going back to the Karloff frankenstein and the lawton you know hunchback so i mean it's a nice you know when when you're working together uh and certainly tommy lee wallace was part of the mix too so you know it was it was a nice collaboration of you know trying to satisfy what tommy wanted and and make tim happy and you know then trying to get some of what i wanted in there so but i mean he was you know the just the the ultimate you know pro and um you know he had he had his ideas how much he wanted to wear or how little I'm doing part, I'm sure, to legend, you know, and yeah. being, you know, from the waist up. So he wanted as light of an approach as possible. Um, and then, you know, Tommy and I wanted certain things like the shape of the head and, you know, whatnot. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a collaborative art. So there's some compromises, but I think ultimately all the right choices were made. And, and oh, yeah. again, starting with Tim, you know, being the, the foundation. So from the minute Tim sat in the chair, how long would it take to sort of, to, create um the the makeup around him like from the minute he sat down to when he oh, goes that's, a, that's a good question uh it seemed like everything i did back then took three hours which when i think back now that seems too long but so maybe we got it i mean you get faster you know through repetition you know so um it may have you know we may have gotten it down to you know two um i, I don't really recall because that was 1990. Yeah. Um, but there was yeah. a lot of, I mean, it's pretty simple. I mean, it's just the uh, the headpiece and the prosthetic nose, but um, I wanted to, uh, I wanted the white in the, uh, you know, the foundation to be a pure white. I didn't want any of his skin tone reading through. So we used what's called Pax Paint, which Dick Smith developed for Dustin Hoffman in Tootsie. So it wouldn't rub off on his white nurse's uniform, but it's basically, it's acrylic paint and acrylic prosthetic grade glue. Um, so that took a couple of layers to, to get a nice even coat and to opaque out his, you know, skin tone. So, um, it, it was, you know, there were, it was kind of slow going, building up those layers and, and then all the, uh, the brow and the mouth and all that stuff I drew by hand, which thinking back, I don't know why I didn't make a template because that was <laughs> such a pain in the ass drawing those eyebrows. And if, if you look at stills or in the movie, they, they do evolve and change, you know, some of them, uh, the first ones are more of an S curve and then they kind of, you know, smooth out. And, you know, so I think the first probably five days that we did him, he, he continued to evolve a little. Um, but at least with the packs as a base, if I screwed something up, I could just paint over it and then yeah. do it. Um, 
And I think I may have even used a Sharpie, you know, to draw that. <laughs> there you go. Um, but so, so, you know, there was a, there was a lot of like handwork that you had to be, you know, pretty clean and pretty precise. My, I think uh, my assistant, I think she did like the eyeliner and stuff for me. And, you know, so um, there were two of us, you know, doing it, but um, anyway, so it, I don't know, between two and three hours, probably closer to three, but. You That's know, not too bad it, though. No, but I mean, again, this, there's not as, uh, I've done a lot more complicated makeups, you know, since then. Uh, so I've gotten faster, yeah, <laughs> you know, sure. probably gotten, gotten more confident, you know, that was fairly early in my career. So, and I think I, I was probably a little uh, starstruck, you know, nervous, just working mm, on Tim. I would have been there. I mean, I've worked, <laughs> yeah. And I mean, I'd worked like with Shelly Winters prior to that and Peter Weller on RoboCop, but Tim Curry was, I think the first time I was, you know like a fan and again like just like starstruck where i was like oh my god it's tim curry you know <laughs> I, I love peter weller but when i did robo with him i i don't even think i'd seen buckaroo bonsai so you know i was yeah. like oh, you know i wasn't as uh, in awe as i might have been later on you know but but tim yeah. curry was, was tim curry so yeah yeah for sure um what about so, you jared what, what was it working with uh, tim curry on set my first encounter with tim curry was probably not dissimilar to um, every other young person's encounter with him. Um, I just remember being on a very drab set. Drab, not in terms of um, the the design or dressing, just the, the color scheme was drab. So when I encountered him, you can imagine um, my reaction because you have this extraordinarily, I mean, he, he almost glowed um, <laughs> with the whiteness of his face and the the bright colors of his his uh, costume and i remember distinctly wanting to cut a wide berth um for a combination of reasons much like uh mr mixon's reaction there's the the idea that starstruck because i went and saw the rocky horror picture show for the first time just prior to starting the film um and also because of the character and the, the characterization um there's a genuine trepidation to approach him I and I did I tried to avoid him um but he knew my name and and he he stopped what he was doing looked right at me and he said in his Pennywise voice hello Jared I mean I can't (laughs) in any way replicate yeah it was just it was startling and I didn't even know I I think I I said well hello Mr. Mr. Curry nice to meet you um (laughs) yeah so um what what a presence is all I have to say um and it's as Mr. Mixon was suggesting. It's it goes beyond. I mean, the makeup is absolutely extraordinary. I think it's a magnificent achievement. And I will say this before I forget. I think, I think, to be honest with you, I don't think it was topped by the um, by the recent films because I look at it graphically, and that's the way I kind of measure my my great uh, uh, vi- you know, cinematic villains. And if they if they represent well two dimensionally in terms of a graphic image. To me, that's that's a sign of of uh, of, of staying power, um, and there's just as I said, I don't think there's a comparison graphically between the the original Pennywise and and the the latter version. Not yeah. to disparage the other film. Thank you. I'm I'm glad you said that. I can't say that, but yeah, oh, <laughs> sure you can, Bart. Come on. <laughs> no, no. I thought they did a good I, job with the new one, but yeah, I'm biased. I like mine better. So what the hell? <laughs> yeah. I got I got to back you up on that, Mister Mix. I got to tell you because I I did I I really did study the new film pretty extensively, and I wanted to compare. And as I said, I, I loved. I think that I shouldn't be getting into this. I'd let you guys direct the interview, but 
yeah, I, as I said, I'm, I'm a, I, I, I scrutinize these things. I'm a huge fan of Mr. Mixon's work and, and every other um, artist he's, he's mentioned, obviously, Botine and, um, and uh, Mr. Baker and, and, uh, and all of them. Um, and again, they, they, I, a few of them have, I, I don't know, I, there's always one distinct creature for each creator. Um, but yeah, doing a comparison, as I said, um, when, you know, I'm sure you guys have gone to conventions, et cetera. When you see the image of Pennywise, say on a poster or on a shirt, it's indelible, um, instantly recognizable. Oh yeah. That that's yes. My okay. compliments to you, my friend. I'm envious. Thank you. Yeah, Thank brilliant. You. Yeah. I do have a Love couple it. of Pennywise stuff behind me. I actually have both versions, but the one that's way up there, it's a little bit hard to see. It's a new one, but it has, um, the, uh, the 1990s Pennywise in it, but right behind everything. They have the original one. It's hidden. I got to flip them. Um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I do like both, um, you know, looks on all of them. And they're both, you know, unique in their own way. Um, but, mm. yeah, the original ones scared me way more than uh, the remake, uh, for sure. Yeah, I think me too, man. I'm, I'm, I'm a much bigger fan of the original. Yeah, um, and it all has to do with Tim too, you know. I've got a huge, a huge poster as well in my kitchen that I've um, collecting autographs. So I've got you on there, Jared. I've, I haven't got you on there yet, but, oh. but I've got some of the other losers on there. And it's the original um, uh, front cover of the movie. It scares the hell out of my kids, and I love it. <laughs> 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 you see, they won't go in the kitchen. <laughs> my son's like, oh, we got the kitchen. That clown's staring at me. <laughs> Amazing. Uh, I, I do think the... Um, Maybe with the new one, they maybe tried too hard to make him look creepy. Mm-hmm. Whereas the again for me, it was always a, it was a story point that this clown was supposed to be something that would lure innocent children in. And yeah. I think the new one is a cool makeup, but it just looks creepy as hell from the word go. So there's no way a kid would go anywhere yeah. near that thing. Exactly. With what we did on Tim, he's able to turn it from you know innocent or harmless to threatening through his through his performance and um and again i think in service of the story that's an important aspect of it you know yeah so but i again i think the new one's a, a cool makeup I'll, I'll name drop i i worked with jermaine clement on men in black three and we've stayed in touch and uh when the new uh it came out he like sent me an email and he said oh have you seen Pennywise? he was like just copied yours and i'm like well you know it's <laughs> Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, there's some similarities just by virtue of you know being clowns, but um, but uh, I mean, I thought they did a nice job. I wish I could have worked on it, uh, you know. But oh, of course, you can't. Of course. He's a Jermaine Clement fan, man, I love Jermaine Clement. Oh, he's, he's great. great. We could we could do a whole podcast just about. Yeah, him. man. Yeah, I mean, you try the Concords. Oh, yeah, I love those guys. And um, all of what we do in the shadows as well. Yeah, yeah. Big, fans, big fans of those guys. Another thing too is um, I have a four-year-old son and he loves Pennywise. Um, I tried watching um, 1990 movie with him, but he gets too scared of watching movies. But he watches a lot of like YouTube videos of people doing costumes and makeup and looking at all the toys. Like he's really comfortable with that. But the movies, no. But he always goes. But if he had to pick a Pennywise, it's always the 1991. So um, I, I guess I did good on, on that side. Exactly. <laughs> good, good boy. Well, then- I mean, you know, the one we did was 1990s television. So we had that, those, those limitations in terms of the censorship and, you know, the running time. So I am a little envious of the new one, you know, because when you have parts one and two of the new version, it's four and a half hours versus yeah. the three hours that we had. 
and that's a hell of a book to squeeze into four and a half hours, much less three. And then they've got, you know, an R-rated 2000, you know, whatever, 17 censorship versus, or lack of censorship versus 1990s television censorship. So they, you know, I would have liked to have been able to bite Georgie's arm off and, yeah, you know, oh, yeah. you know they're, they're, they did a lot of stuff in that that would have been fun to have done, but I don't think the, the you know, 90, 1991 would be any better with, with more blood and stuff in it. So, you know, it's, um, you know, again, it's, uh, I guess you had to be a little more, maybe a little more creative working within those limitations. But again, I mm. thought, I thought Tommy did a swell job and, you know, I'm happy to have been a part of it. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I don't yeah. like to forget about Tommy Lee Wallace's pedigree as well. I think any horror fan knows, uh, as I did when walking onto that set, I mean, his, his background with, uh, John Carpenter, his contribution to the original Halloween mustn't be forgotten. He's basically responsible for creating Michael Myers as we yeah. know him. Right. Um, his editing on the fog, which is brilliant. I love that film. I think it's finally coming to gain the recognition that it deserves. Yep. I agree on that. A genius, obviously. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Tommy Lee Wallace is, I mean, he's got, uh, and he's directed two sequels to films that are, are regarded uh, as being finally being regarded as classics unto themselves. I mean, Halloween three now is really being, uh, uh, revisited and um, uh, reclassified, I'd, I'd like to say. Um, and his Fright Night Two, as well, is a, is a very is a is a sequel of merit. Yes. Not an easy thing to go into a, an existing franchise and direct the sequel and right. come out, you know, as well as he did. So for sure, yeah, yeah. Yeah. that was the first time I worked with Tommy. He was on Fright Night Two. So uh, oh, yeah. really? Okay. Yeah. So we, we already had a, a working relationship by the time uh, it came along i was uh working with gene warren at fantasy 2 film effects who gene unfortunately died a couple of years ago but um i set up he wanted to compete like with boss films and have a creature shop capabilities as well as the miniatures and opticals and whatnot that fantasy 2 normally did so i set up his creature shop for him for fright night 2 oh. our first real project we might have done one or two little things prior to that but uh so yeah so that's where i met tommy so we already had a a good working relationship so when when it came along it just made sense to go back to fantasy 2 which then you know meant, meant me being in the mix as well so oh brilliant brilliant yeah. but no, tommy yeah. yeah i've done i guess i've done four shows with tommy uh, you know back in the late 80s early 90s so yeah awesome. maybe that, always a treat Amazing. to win. Yeah. yeah lovely lovely gentleman as well yeah and going we back to halloween uh, as well um, Michael Myers is, is my favorite. I don't know if you can tell, but I have a bunch of masks behind me. Oh, yeah. Oh, I spotted them behind yeah, you. Yeah, so um, uh, my, my first horror movie that I saw that scared the crap out of me. So, uh, yep, that that took over my life. <laughs> well, what what he did with that William Shatner mask in, uh, for Halloween. Yeah, I think there was actually a, a video on YouTube of him kind of going back and showing how he did it. Um, that was That's yeah. really, really cool. Through like a, an actual old Shatner mask, which is yeah, really, the really cool. Post Star Trek. Yeah, I think he just cut the uh, the eye holes and they cut the Star Trek sideburns off of it. Yeah. And it white. <laughs> Super simple, but it came out yeah. terrifying. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, Dean, um, I, I don't want to keep going over any questions that you have, so I guess I'll let you throw any to the floor if you have them. No, you're a good man. If I, I can just hop in. I've got some here, but I'm just... Because I know we're going in between talking about the movie and the makeup, so I'm just kind of <laughs> hopping in where where necessary. All so right. you're good, man. All 
All right. Um, I always like to ask this question too uh, about anybody we talk to um, who's ever on a film. Um, Jared, we can start with you. Do you have a favorite memory on or off set? Oh gosh. Um, on set, it would have to be. Um, there, there was a set that was an old steelworks mill, uh, and it was just ready-made uh, to be used in in this capacity in the film. It reminded me of something out of Blade Runner, which is one of my other all-time favorite films, and just in terms of atmosphere. You mm. walked on and you thought they, they didn't have to do anything to dress it. You had the old filings on the ground, the old works rusted and and uh, and, and and all over the place, and, and just walking, it felt. Um, if this makes sense, that that you were on a, a, an epic film set. It, there's nothing false about it. It wasn't on a studio. It was absolutely astounding. And that's where I actually confront Ben and, and eventually drag him into the sewer and cut the buttons off of his shirt. And then off the set, um, strangely, um, Green Epstein, who produced the film, invited me to come out to Los Angeles. They wanted to act in a managerial capacity. So I moved out there and lived out there for five years and uh, became roommates with Seth Green. <laughs> There's a and, lot of stories uh, there, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> the misadventures that him and I got into um, were incredible. He was just, fr- he was freshly emancipated from his mother. Um, and me coming from a working class background, I had a lot of liberty as a kid growing up. So uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with the film Colors by, directed by Dennis Hopper, starring Robert Duvall. Um, there was a lot of gang activity in Los Angeles when I first moved out there. And my first suggestion to Seth was let's go out to Compton. Um, yeah. And we did rather stupidly and <laughs> got pulled over by a cop and said, you guys don't look like you belong here. I'm going to give you a police escort out. <laughs> and he did. And we continued to go back. So, um, but yeah, like I said, that was, that was one of those relationships that's very rare in the film world as Mr. Mixing probably attests to is, well, maybe not in the, in the sort of makeup consortium, but in terms of an actor, it's rare that you go on to form relationships that last beyond, beyond the film. It's a, you're, it's a rather gypsy like existence. You know, you're, you're a mercenary. You've got to get on to the, to finding your next job. Yeah, for sure. Um, Are you guys still in contact now, Jared? No, you know, I haven't talked to him in a long, long time, unfortunately. And, and, uh, like I said, he, we traveled in two very, very different directions. I think Seth is very much a journeyman. Um, he was an old pro by the time he was working on it. And, you know, his instinct for survival, even during uh, the downtimes, uh, was remarkable. Um, you know, so two, just two very different directions. I, I, I lived in L.A. for five years, but I never felt like I belonged there, to be honest with you. Hmm. Um, uh, it was a great adventure, and I, and I, at a certain point, I just thought, in consulting a lawyer to get a, to get an O one visa, which is what I needed. I got one for the first five years, and they said, um, when you come back for another one, it's highly unlikely you're going to get one because they believe that Canadians are taking away jobs from Americans. Unfortunately, oh, wow. you'll probably have wow. to end up being Eric Clapton to get one. So, at about year four, I thought, okay, I'm just going to. Are we allowed to swear on your podcast? Yep, no, not oh, yeah. censored here okay. at all. Okay, I. I Year four, and and uh, anyone that associated with me can attest to this. I said, I'm I'm just going to burn this motherfucker down. I'm just going to live <laughs> life to the fullest in the, uh, you know, in the in the, in the uh, fat city. So, yeah. Anyway, sorry that was a bit lengthy, guys. I do apologize. Oh, don't worry. I love listening to these stories. And uh, Brandon had a lot of funny stories. Uh, he said one. Uh, also with Seth <laughs> of dropping balloons from his. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah. 
from his uh from his uh room <laughs> and it was oh, getting yeah. deported kool-aid kool-aid filled oh, yeah. balloons onto oh yeah cars with the uh convertible cars with the roof down <laughs> lots oh, of mischief to be kids again you know <laughs> oh god yeah um but what about you bart do you have um any uh memories or favorite memories on or offset oh gee that's a good good question so it was all <laughs> such a blur um i mean let's see i remember i guess um when we were shooting uh i remember the trailer tim wouldn't uh tim wouldn't let us listen to rocky horror picture show soundtrack. <laughs> I, I did have a best of tim curry cassette that uh he you know he was cool with that but he was he was tired of rocky at the time uh, i think madonna's vogue was out then so him and my assistant would uh listen to that and would be voguing together so seeing you know tim curry with the, without the wig you know partially you know pennywise stuff you know made up so that, that was kind of fun um but um and otherwise not uh i mean again it, it was a, a great time but yeah i don't know that anything uh you know i i wasn't dropping balloons or anything like that uh, <laughs> we did have a uh i was hoping something would have happened but didn't uh when i would try I'd, I built the show in Burbank and we shot in Vancouver. And so I'd have to fly back and forth at least once a week for production meetings. And then when we were filming um, to, you know, go up with that, those, whatever prosthetics, you know, we needed, you know, so I had this trunk that, you know, it had my Pennywise wigs and appliances and maybe a werewolf mask or, you know, whatever was working. And typically the custom people, I mean, hit my laptop, the, the custom guys would, you know, look through it and, oh, what do you got in here? And, kind of dig through stuff so when we were doing uh stan's head in the refrigerator you know i got the severed head in the trunk and then that was the one time they didn't want to look through it and i'm like hey don't you want to look in the trunk <laughs> and it's like oh you know so the one time i'm hoping they're gonna be like ah you know what the hell is this and then they're just like yeah go on you know oh, man. So it could have been a good story but yeah <laughs> but, but i think certainly i mean just you know working with tim it was a treat it was a great time so um but i don't know that anything specific you know finally getting to do the battery acid makeup i mean i was very grateful you know that we got to do that but that was that was done in post down in uh, burbank you know doing some uh inserts and pickups um which again i'm i've mentioned this before i'm forever grateful to tim for that because when we when we shot the sequence in canada they didn't think they had time to turn him over in the makeup so we just shot that whole scene with him in the regular clown makeup and they were prepared to use it that way in the movie they weren't going to do the transition and um uh we had even had to make a little stop motion puppet of tim like an 18 inch uh you know for a couple of shots of him going down the drain he kind of elongates as he goes in the hole and uh we sculpted that to look like tim's regular clown look and literally the day I got the front half of the mold made. So it's now it's in stone. And then they came back, uh, the head guys at Fantasy 2 came back and said, okay, we're going to do some reshoots. We're going to use the, the battery acid look in the reshoots. And so then I had to um, make a miniature prosthetic, you know, for this little stop motion puppet to change it to look like the, the battery acid look. But, um, but I believe that was all left up to Tim uh he had seen the prosthetics in Canada but you know so he was aware that I'd made them but um I think they kind of pitched it to Tim like if you don't mind you know we'd like to 
to reshoot this piece of the sequence with you in this makeup, but if you don't want to wear it, we're happy not to. And he's like, well, you know, Bart did a, he was very complimentary about, you know, the work I'd done. And he's like, you know, it'd be a shame not to use it. So if we can get it done in one day, you know, I'll yeah. he to wear it. So, you know, we had to shoot, which is only, you know, three or four cuts. But uh, so we did all that, like on the insert stage in Fantasy 2. But he he very easily could have just said, you know what? I don't feel like putting all that crap on, you know. Um, we were doing regular Pennywise inserts, like him coming up out of the uh, drain in the uh, shower. Uh, Great scene, was, by the way. His coverage on that was shot in Burbank. But um, but anyway, so he yeah, he easily could have declined to wear it. So I'm, uh, you know, I wouldn't have a T-shirt, you know, like this. This would just yeah, be. Uh, I love it I so love much. That. Yeah. So, and, so cool. I love that. You know. So again, I'm I'm forever forever grateful to to Tim for, you know, biting the bullet and letting us torture him that much for that day. So. Look at awesome. looking back at it now. Is there anything that you wish you could kind of go back and change that you would have done slightly differently? Or are you happy with the way it's? So I mean, obviously it's classic what you've come up with there is there anything you think you wish you could go back and tweak a bit or? um i mean from a technical aspect uh, because we had to duplicate uh, we duped the mold for the headpiece so on one of the molds i didn't get a great um edge up here which i think in the context of the movie it doesn't really matter but just for me personally i, I should have done like a, a blender appliance you know to help soften that so i maybe some technical stuff but i'm uh you know i'm certainly happy with you know with the way it looks and and the decisions that were made in terms of the you know the paint schemes and all that i mean it's the um in the documentary i think they have some pictures of my original uh concept busts and uh what tommy had approved was um one that had uh more graphic you know like big blue eyeshadow and yeah it actually had cheekbones and a chin which is why the battery acid look has got more of a exaggerated cheek and chin and also why it has the um i'll indicate that's this was meant to be like to mirror the uh the it would have the blue eyeshadow over here and so this was meant to be like a 3d representation of that because when i sculpted that makeup the approved look had, you know had the cheekbones and all that um so, uh, but then when they decided to use it, there wasn't time to re-sculpt it. But um, no, I mean, I, I'm very happy, you know, with the way it turned out, obviously. So I'm not, uh, no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have changed a thing. It, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I maybe, you know, I, I know um, like people, yeah, not, not to harp on my spider, but people, my spider gets a lot of shit. And, but that's how, that's what Stephen King wrote. Um, but yeah. probably, you know, which Tommy even says, like, who knew that, you know, Tim Curry, while making it, they didn't really realize how much he was going to be missed during that last, you know, 15 or 20 minutes of the movie. So I think story-wise, after they wound the spider and then it goes off and then they go in and beat it to death, had it turned back into Tim at that point, it probably would have been a more satisfying ending had there been one more confrontation. But I don't think 1990s TV would have let three adults beat the shit out of a clown. And really <laughs> I imagine you know, that, though. <laughs> yeah, like, you know, but um, and they kind of address that in the remake, where I think um, even though he's got like the big spider legs at the end of the first part, they do try to, you know, to get it, um, you know, more of a Pennywise spider yeah. hybrid. Although I think in part two of the remake, I think it looks too much like a Tim Burton character and not enough, you know, I agree. not enough like a, but um, so I, yeah, had there been some way that we could have worked Tim into that finale, 
I, I think would have would have helped. But you know, again, hindsight. So you know. Yep. For sure. And um, since we've been uh, kind of lightly talking about the documentary, um, how how does it feel to be, you know, part of something that really is uh, legendary and it is a legacy? Like they, it's everybody says this is Tim Curry's legacy, but I always view it as this is everybody who worked on the film's legacy because of how big it is, especially now. Um, like Jared, you you were pointing and talking about how you thought it kind of just disappeared. Um, Mm-hmm. And seeing this huge like resurgence, um, mainly because of the new mo- the new movies that came out, but also with there being a documentary that took five years to create to you know highlight all the amazing things that took place um, in the nineteen nineties. Yeah. It how does it feel to to be a part of that? Do you, are you guys happy with the the end result of the documentary as well? Oh, definitely. Oh. Yeah, I've been talking. Jared, you go first, and then I'll. <laughs> oh yes, yeah, sorry, Mr. Mixon. Yeah, no, I, I, I'll, I'll tell you something. When I was approached um, uh, by Gary, and uh, and later I met John at, at a convention, I was a bit dubious as to as to uh, what their intentions were and what kind of um, what kind of quality that the the end product would would uh, would be. And then in in discussing it with the gentleman, I, I realized that they have this. Um, substantial background in, in in making of films yeah and they were kind enough to provide me with copies of those films uh, one of their documentaries which i think is absolutely brilliant and, and authoritative is on uh hellraiser part two which is again i think a film that's completely underrated yeah, uh and again, is experiencing a resurgence in terms of the, the appreciation for it the the thing uh yeah i said this to my wife i, I watched it two days ago and i said you know, I'm a huge fan of documentaries about the making of films. Um, there's a great one on on Blade Runner that came with the sort of definitive box set collection. I can't remember the title of it, but it was it's a four or six hour. Um, I'm I'm fascinated by the process of making movies. So I said to my wife, the great honor of my life is to be in a film that's considered prestigious enough uh, to warrant a making of documentary, and then to go on to have the documentary be such a such a lovely. Um, representation of of both the the filmmaker's work and 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 of of it ultimately as well it's such a great honor to have to be involved uh, they they say this to actor actors will say this all the time if you're involved in one film that is remembered then you know that's a career in and of itself and um yeah as you mentioned and also another thing i want to say is i hate cgi i hate it <laughs> and for me to watch you know, for our film, I, I hope that's not too bold to, to state that, but for to be a part of a film that was one of the last to utilize Mr. Uh, Mixon's great gifts in regards to, you know, um, the makeups, et cetera, um, for it to be practical effects. I'm also very proud of that. I know people can point out the, 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 what they would consider to be the flaws of it, but that's what makes it special. Um, yeah, so. All right, definitely. Uh, and it, just from my perspective, I mean, it's great to to finally, you know, have someone do such a thorough, you know, deep dive into this. Even, you know, again, I was surprised that they literally go back to King writing the book, you know, that they start at the beginning, you know. And um, so I, I, I don't know if I was expecting it to be that comprehensive, but I, I thought it was great that it was. And I do remember when the... Um, like when the DVD came out and I'm like, Oh, you know what special features are going to be on this. And it's like, Oh, there's nothing. There's like a little, you know, voice, you know, director commentary, but yeah. there's no, 
behind the scenes stuff. And it's like, well, I'm sitting on, you know, a stack of photos that, you know, <laughs> thick and, and two hours of, you know, behind the scene video that no one's ever seen. And uh, so um, I'd done the Fright Night, uh, Fright Night 2 documentary, you know, with the Dead Mouse guys. And uh, and they'd also interviewed me for Robocop one, uh, which hasn't come out yet, but uh, I think it will shortly. Uh, yeah. Uh, Robodoc, which is a great name. Um, but yeah. somewhere in that, you know, and talking with him about that stuff, I mentioned, you know, all the it stuff that I had. So I don't, I don't know if that kind of helped kind of ignite the, you know, in the spark, it, you know, to ignite the thing. But um, it's just nice, again, that there's two hours of footage, you know, that I've got. And there's stuff on there like John Ritter, you know, goofing around with the spider, him and Harry Anderson, you know, puppeteering it. And, you know, stuff with Tim, you know, on set. And sadly, I didn't tape enough of us. I wish I just set up the camera and videotape the makeup process, but it didn't really occur to me at the time to do that. But, um, but yeah, there's a lot of stuff that uh, otherwise, you know, this stuff would have never been seen. So it's just great that there's an avenue for that. And, um, and again, it's certainly a, a film. I, I used to say uh, earlier in my career, <laughs> you know, when, when good movies, <laughs> Well, fewer and farther between that I'd get to work on, you know, that I'd say it's nice to work on something you're not ashamed of. And, you know, and it is certainly uh, falls in that category. And it's just nice to see this resurgence of, you know, uh, love for it. And it's all, I think, and mostly due to the remake, just kind of shining the light on the original again. Um, there might have been a rights issues in the um, 90s and early 2000s uh, in terms of who actually owned the 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 you know, film. So I think that's why we didn't see like movie maniac action figures, you know, from Todd McFarlane and stuff yeah. like that, which I always wish they would have done. But, but finally, once, you know, Warner Brothers had it and they were doing the remake and then they were doing the reissue, you know, and then suddenly there were, you know, Pennywise, you know, action figures and bobbleheads and all kinds of crap that I thought I would never see. So, you know, yeah. I'm just, I'm loving it, you know, going into the, you know, at conventions or, you know, targets or wherever, and like, oh, there's a, you know, there's a Pennywise t-shirt, there's an action figure, there's a, not that I get any residuals off any of that, but it's, <laughs> okay. you know, to see, to see your work, you know, represented in, the, you know, in 3D like that, or, or you know, just, so it's great. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite things too, Bart, uh, about the documentary is how every time you're on screen, you're always wearing a different Pennywise shirt. I, I love that so much. <laughs> I, I was wondering if that would uh, would be obvious. So I, I didn't, uh, I'm glad it. I'm glad that wasn't lost. Because yeah, we. Uh, I, I did when I when we shot it. I just brought a big. You know, I've got about two dozen Pennywise shirts now, but I brought all the black ones. And uh, and then yeah, we'd do so much of the interview. Then we'd take a little break, and I'd switch into the another one. And I, I have seen some clips where it's just even within the short clip. Yeah, I go through a couple of them. So I'm glad that I'm glad somebody noticed. So cool. <laughs> yeah, even John and Gary were were talking about that too. Like it was just so funny how Bart was changing his shirt like all the time. I'm like, yeah, I caught on to that. It's it's awesome. <laughs> the love you have for for what you what you worked on is. Well, it's, it's, again, it's, I started as a fan, so that, that is nice. I'm sure I'm one of the few lucky people who get to actually, you know, make a living, be able to make a living off of something I would have done as a hobby anyway, so, and I, something I was doing as a hobby, so, you know, I still, I still enjoy, you know, that aspect, you know, of it, again, like there's something about gluing rubber on somebody's head, you know, I don't like getting up at 1.30 in the morning like I had to do yesterday for Ant-Man, but, you know, 
doing a 15, 16 hour day, that can kind of suck, but, but at least I'm working, I'm working with friends, I'm working on cool stuff that uh, at least again, like satisfies the fan in me, you know? So it's, uh, yeah, it's like you're getting paid to, to play in your hobby. So yeah. What's not to like. I'm interested. I'm interested to know, man, have you ever had any like nightmare um, people in the chair that just won't sit still <laughs> when you you've got to do this really intricate work and i guess it's like a tattoo artist when the the, the, the person just can't sit still and they're like Argh. yeah i yeah i i know i have i mean i probably you tend to the you know the bad ones tend to fade away you know i mean guys yeah. like kelsey Grammer were great you know jermaine clement was great you know All right. um yeah. i have had people that especially now that everybody's got a got a goddamn cell phone you know a lot of people are like doing this while you're trying to make them up you know a friend of mine did um a makeup test on steve martin for uh roxanne when he uh and the whole test martin's sitting there in a director's chair reading a newspaper and this guy's having to come in from the side to to try and get the nose on him and then when he's done he's like oh it it looks crooked and it's like well that's because i couldn't get in front of you (laughs) you know (laughs) doing which i mean sometimes you just gotta you know tell them to hey you know put that crap down i i think i was doing a a guy on it was a hellboy stunt double and um the first day i was trying to be kind of accommodating and he had he was like playing a game boy and shit like that and and it just took like another hour or two more than it should have and i'd say after that i was just like you got to put that that thing down you know like uh and in a similar vein uh on men in black 2 uh do you know kevin grievous he wrote uh underworld um, he's kind of a big Michael Clark Duncan size guy. He was in the Tim Burton Planet of the Apes. He was the uh, uh, the mm. third eye alien in Men yeah. Black Two. Um, but he's a big comic book fan. That when I first met him at Rick Baker's, um, I had a Black Bolt uh, Fantastic Four T shirt, and he's like, "Hey, Black Bolt!" And I'm like, "Jesus, <laughs> nobody knows who Black Bolt is." So I, I did his initial makeup test for the uh, the third eye guy, and again, it took twice as long as it should have because we were sitting there just shooting the shit about comic books. And I even had to tell him, I go, Kevin, I can't, you know, I love you, but I can't yeah. do your show because we're, we're never going to make the deadline, you know? So, um, but I, I know, I'm sure I've had people that have been, yeah, pains in the ass in the past, but again, I think I just tend to, to forget or not, not wish to remember them. So there's too many, too many good times. So, um, but yes, I, I know there are some, and probably if I sat there and, thought about it but yeah I don't, I don't mind talking a little shit about people but i don't want to talk too much <laughs> yeah, yeah let it loose sometimes yeah um so i know um especially for you jared at this point uh convention life is is fairly new um bar i'm not sure about you but how is convention life you know treating you um jared we can start with you because i know um you've been going with all of the the kid losers uh to most of the conventions, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, the first one was in uh, Birmingham, and um, that was my very first experience at a convention. And um, I was more of a fan than a guest at the convention, <laughs> to be honest with you. I didn't want to stay at the table. I wanted to go. I don't blame you, man. And, yeah, I I, I, I can't describe the feeling to you. It's, uh, you know, you guys are all horror fans and, and probably uh, avid readers of, of horror fiction. So you know that when you go into a bookstore or a library, you go into the horror section of any of those places. I don't know if you feel that same anticipation. Oh, yeah, as for if sure. You know, it, that's the same feeling I get when I go to a convention. Um, mm. There's just not enough money and not, not enough t- 
time, obviously, when you're expected to be um, signing, etc., to go and really experience it. I almost envy the the fans um, for their freedom to to walk about and and, mm-hmm. and just see all of the spectacular stuff, all of it which I want to have in my home. But you know, my lovely wife is the boss and won't have any of it. <laughs> so again, I'm looking at your guys' uh, domiciles. I'm looking at your man caves, Mr. Mixon's especially. And I am so envious. I've, but I've got to toe the line. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm a vendor at uh, Horrorcons. I'm, I, oh, I you! So you? I get to, yeah, I, I, I'm there before anyone. I'm set when, when oh. I'm setting up. I, I kind of set my stand up and then go for a little walk around and just see where I'm going to be spending all my money. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I do, exactly. I do like the for the love. I work with Monopoly events quite a lot for the for the love of, for the love of horror. I think. Oh, okay, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely, we, yeah, we do those guys and the horror con in Sheffield and uh, any any horror. We don't really have that many horror cons over here. Actually, there was the one in Leicester where I met you, good self. Yeah, uh, yeah. two thousand nineteen, I believe. Yes, I yeah, I believe that's the I case. Yeah, they, yeah, they didn't do another one after that, and um, obviously had the, uh, the pandemic in the way. So I think the only remaining horror cons we have over here, deep, really decent ones, are the is the one in Manchester for the, for the mm. yeah, um, yeah, we did that you, as well. You're a, you were a guest at that one, weren't you? Yeah, it was incredible. Oh, yeah, shit. absolutely. Standing yeah, that, massive. That's a fantastic convention, that one. That's, yeah. yeah. And I think, actually, I think Tommy, Tommy Lee Wallace is there this year, actually. Oh, wonderful. So wonderful to meet him. Um, but have you ever had any sort of bizarre fan experiences at a convention? Have you ever kind of met anyone to come up to you and you just thought, yeah, okay. my wife. Um, <laughs> my wife was with me at this particular time. I don't know why she tends to go and wander and, and take my son off for, for, a, uh, you know, a bit of a sightseeing, uh, adventure. But this time she was standing at the table and a woman asked me to sign her arm. And I said, really sign your arm. And she said, yeah, I'm going to get it. I'm going to have it tattooed. And I said, yeah. come on, I don't believe this for a second. And I'm and I'm not lying to you. I've got the picture somewhere. And the following day, she dutifully went out and had it tattooed on her arm. Yeah. Wow. People are people are crazy, but in a good way. <laughs> in a, in a, it, she, was, she was polite. She was uh, delightful, and yeah, it was just I couldn't believe it. Oh, well, you you win there. I got no stories like that. <laughs> oh yeah, come on, you're a superhero at those those events, my friend. Come on, people uh, actually, have to be absolutely. I've been going to conventions, uh, you know, as a fan since like 1972, but. Um, and again, like I said, that's where I met Rick Baker. And, you know, um, in fact, I think when he hired me for uh, Men in Black 3, I was at a Monster Palooza. And Rick just walked up. And, oh, wow. You know, he's like, hey, are you working? I'm like, no. He goes, we well, are now. You know, <laughs> oh, wow. But um, I haven't really been a guest that often uh, at conventions. This last Monster Palooza this summer, I uh, Tim Curry was there doing like a photo op, you know. And then they had uh, uh, me and someone from Legend there. Um, doing like a panel talking about, you know, working with Tim on those films. But there's one, uh, was it Wicked Weekend in Bangor, Maine in, uh, in the September beginning of October that I'm uh, supposed to be going to. So that'll be Yeah, my, I was going to ask you about that. that that'll be my That'd first be um, official, you know, uh, appearance like that. So uh, um, so ask me in uh, <laughs> yeah. ask me October 3rd, uh, you know, when it's all over. But I'm looking forward to it. It sounds like it should be fun because uh, I, I bumped in. Brandon was at uh, Monster Palooza and uh, he was like, you know, how come you don't do these? And I was like, oh, nobody asked me. So then he's like put me in touch with the proper people. And now now they've asked. So I'll, yeah. you know, I'm looking forward to have you over here, Bob. 
Oh, great. Oh, great to see I you would... over here, man. I can add you to my poster then. <laughs> I would love to. Can know. I ask a Can I ask a question? Yeah, sure. Go ahead, what, man. What? And maybe you guys are are way more in the loop than I am, obviously. But what's what? What's happened to Rob Team? He um. <sighs> or is that a, a, If you can't answer the question, please don't. I... The story I heard is that he just. Uh, invested and i can't even remember where i wish i could remember exactly where i heard this because you do hear a lot of rumors i heard that yeah basically got tired of the bullshit you know just working with you know the production i mean the film industry's changed a lot since i've been in it since the early 80s and it's even changed more since he uh you know got into it in the late 70s but i heard that he invested heavily into real estate in the uh, east end of the valley like out uh he's like in azusa and el monte and and that he's just living comfortably off of uh, his real estate investments that he, uh, right. he still does. Is it uh, Pitka? Uh, there's a commercial director, Joe Pitka, I think, that uh, Rob will occasionally do commercial work for him because they're friends. And Rob's um, wife, it's either wife or girlfriend, they met on, um, she was the camera operator or camera assistant on RoboCop. And um, oh. since... Uh, become an item and she was the camera like the dp on game of thrones so there is a an effect in one episode of game of thrones that rob had something to do with oh uh, okay uh, but um but i think it's i think he just kind of again just does what he wants and um yeah and i think that's what i was hearing too um yeah through some so, avenues online yeah yeah i mean i know i have co-workers that um are friends with him like there's margaret prentice who uh painted everything for him on like the howling and the thing and all this stuff her husband and rob were um high school buddies and um so they she's still in that loop but she's uh gets tired of people asking <laughs> you know like about <laughs> 10 or 15 years ago i was like hey what's going on with rob she's like oh i don't want really to talk about it so i was like okay so you know um because that's just kind of like eh, it's family and personal and private stuff so so I, I don't even press her anymore but gotcha. um uh, but so he's i mean he, yeah he's around he's you know out on the again the east end of the valley and and just you know doing what he wants enjoy his but, life yeah but i mean it's Again, selfishly, the fan in me, I, I hated to see him bow out because he was doing such amazing stuff. Oh, and, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, but I mean, I can understand. It's like when Rick Baker retired and people are like, oh, why did he do that? It's like, because he could. Yeah. Um, and, <laughs> you know, it's just, he, you know, things got to a point to where, you know, if it wasn't fun anymore. And like, I know when he worked on the Wolfman, he didn't have a good time on that, you know, yeah. just, just the way the production was treating him and, you know, and um, so, yeah, it's like, Hey, if you don't have to put up with this stuff then you know, and it can afford not to, then, then why? I mean, he's, he's probably doing more work now since he retired, you know, Rick, than, uh, than he, you know, the years leading up to it. I mean, he does Halloween makeups for his family every year. I went over there a couple of years ago and helped him apply, you know, makeups to him and his daughters, you know, for one Halloween, like around oh, that's 2000, cool. 2007, wow. something like that. So it's just, yeah, they're, they're pretty much, they're doing what they want, but yeah, but he certainly missed. Cause I mean, Rob in particular was, you know, just pushing the envelope. On yeah. Yeah. An innovator. Everything. Yeah. You know? And um, yeah, I mean, some really amazing stuff. That was so, so great working with him on RoboCop. And there was one, mm. 
one weekend where he was in town and for some reason, all the robo crew, the robo team had gone to New Orleans because we were shooting in Dallas and just Rob and I were left in Dallas. So, you know, we went and saw uh, Peggy Sue got married and uh, she's got to have it. <laughs> it had just come out. <laughs> you know, we're going to movies, we're going to dinner, you know, just hanging out, you know, having a good time. So, hey, That's you know, awesome. so you know, a lot of fun, great guy, very funny. But yeah, just like, you know, I guess he just got tired of, tired of the bs <laughs> so. gotcha. i appreciate that yeah i've just heard a lot of rumors and again um growing up uh you know as a fan of of those two gentlemen and and again the interconnectivity of of all three of you rick baker yourself and, and rob botin it's just a fascinating community and yeah i appreciate the insight yeah that was awesome so hopefully that's again that's i wish i could remember <laughs> when i first heard the whole real estate thing i wish i could remember exactly where i heard it because i hope i'm not perpetuating <laughs> i'm in another myth <laughs> yeah any there, but uh, that's as i understand it and i've and i have heard it from various sources too so i think that's uh i think i think that's pretty much what's going on so fairly credible yeah yeah but all right dean uh do you have anything else you want to want to ask before i, uh, I ask our yeah, closing Joe, question once we got once we got jared's a question for you jared does um wanted to ask you actually it's about your character Henry Bowers you, you how did you get yourself into that character when you're on set because you're you come across as you're such a nice guy and the character oh, you played the character you played was such a nasty piece of work so how did you kind of channel that you know how did you get into well, that sort of zone it started well before the um the actual filming because I knew that I don't know what guys I, I mean I don't want to get um quasi um metaphysical about it but as i said i i ducked classes to read stephen king novels mm. and, and no word of a lie um it, it was my um it, it seemed to be my sustenance through high school which i found to be an extraordinarily uncomfortable experience for me um my dad was a real greaser um as a matter of fact there's a oh, photograph wow. of my dad um from the late 50s and he it's featured on a record album um, by a not so well-known band, but the photograph itself is considered a classic and has been, has gone on to be reproduced in, in a number of books um, sort of documenting that era, which is you know, the fifties um, fashion um, automotive manufacturing, all of that. It's a classic era in, in, in American um, automotive engineering, et cetera. So my dad's mm. featured in this photograph and my father still had characteristics of that his his teenage years as a man as well he he <laughs> he still combed his hair up with uh, brill cream uh mm. as i was a kid growing up he had cut off um sweatshirts he had his own um i, I guess you could call them homemade tattoos my dad was uh, one of the toughest mothers i've ever met in my entire life genuinely and he was a very small man um and he would tell me stories. And again, a lot of what he had to do was com compensatory as well, because when you're a small person, you've got to convey an inner mm -hmm. uh, strength that convinces people you're uh, dangerous, so to speak. Mm -hmm. My yeah. father always told me this. He said, it's always the smaller guys you have to be aware of because they fight to the death. They don't have the, uh, the physical attributes uh, you know, to back up their, their play, so to speak. So, yeah, I mean, we're we all have these characteristics within us. Um, we've all been confronted by somebody that we've either disagreed with. Um, we've all been bullied 
and simply picking up on those characteristics that perhaps frightened us or intimidated us the most. Um, you know, and if I'm to look to an actor, I, again, I think I said it in the documentary, um, I don't think there's anyone more frightening than, than Dennis Hopper as Frank Booth in Blue Velvet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know, um, yeah, if that makes sense to you. But yeah, anyway, in terms of the preparation, I knew I had to go in there and be, do something different because I didn't have the physical attributes. And as I predicted, when I went in for the auditions, I was surrounded by goons, uh, by gigantic <laughs> guys uh, and, and very st- stereotypical uh, bully types. And I knew they're either going to go with the stereotype or they're going to choose somebody um, distinctly different from that, that, um, mm. that cliche. And I, I've never worked harder on anything in my entire life. 24 hours a day for the two weeks leading up to the audition. That's all I did over mm. and over and over and over again. And mm. as I said, it was just, it was a rather miraculous experience because I was plucked from that first audition about what life went from zero to, you know, 100 miles per hour. It was mm. amazing. Amazing you performance absolutely, too. Absolutely nailed it. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Thank you ever so much. I, I really appreciate you guys saying that. Excellent. No, great. Very, very memorable in that. So yeah, great job. Oh, thank you guys. It means a lot. Yeah, I mean, it, everybody did such an amazing job um, on the film, whether you were acting on the screen or if you were behind and doing all the makeup like Bart was or whoever was like operating the cameras or anything. The film is just a, it's it's legendary. It really is. And it's going to, mm-hmm. you know, live on forever. And, and everybody's, I think, always going to go back to this one. Yeah, they might go and watch the new one. Um, and, and we also have, I think, what the the, the Pennywise TV show is going to be coming out to, yeah. which I'm kind of yeah. like, I don't know how I'm going to feel about it, but I'm going to give it a chance. Um, I know it's set in, in, I think they said the 60s. They they, they said it was going to be set around the same time. Um, but yeah, this this movie just it stands the test of time and just how amazing it is and everybody who worked on it. And um, thank you for you know creating something that really impacted me as, as a person and, and for my, my love of horror really. And, and, you know, broadening everything. It's, it's truly amazing and uh, really an honor to talk to both of you um, and anybody Absolutely. else that we talked to uh, that was on the film. It's, it's a dream come true. <laughs> it's an honor to be here with you guys. And, and Mr. Mixon, I just wanted to say again, I, I didn't really get a chance to, you were so busy, obviously, doing what you were doing with Tim, but I, I'm I'm a huge fan of yours as well. I, oh. I just, I so appreciated the fact that you got to feature your uh, incredible uh, gifts as an artist and uh, and to have your work celebrated along with Tim Curry's performance. I think it was, it's been a long time coming and, and well-deserved. I'm a huge fan of yours as well, sir. Thank you so much. Thank you very much for saying so. That's great to hear. Very, Amazing. Am I blushing? Am I? <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Good. Yeah, well-deserved. Thank, thank you very much. Um, I guess one last thing I can I can ask, um, Jared. I don't think you're you're active in, in acting right now. You're kind of just um, you know living life to the fullest uh, uh, right now, correct? Living life to the fullest. I'm a, drug, <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a drug and alcohol counselor, my friend. Oh, okay. Wow. Okay. So that's what you got going on. All right. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I still get to act because I uh, facilitate groups. I have a, a client base of about 60 clients. I live in jolly old England. And as you can imagine, um, alcohol supplants water in terms of, um, <laughs> um, yeah, but yeah, I get, to, I, like I said, yeah, I, I, the last thing I ever did, I, I did, a, I did another project with Gabe who was also featured in the documentary. He played Victor. Yeah. Um, we did a, a version of the Ninja Turtles, uh, 
for one season. It was a live action series, and we had a blast uh, playing awesome. a couple of Ninja Turtles. So that was fun. But the last thing I did was the last straw. I was kind of trying to find a way to extricate myself from the industry. Then on my very last audition, I got a part on a thing called The Crow, um, Stairway to Heaven. Now, I was a huge fan of the original Crow film. Um, and I, I was thought, okay, this would be a good way to go out. And I got to tell you something. It's probably one of the worst pieces of shit that I've... <laughs> I was embarrassed to be a part of it. And uh, sad to say, that's when I made my... Uh, my exit from the industry but not on not on a high note to say the least i'm probably speaking out speaking out of turn but again i'm not involved in the industry anymore so it doesn't really matter that's all right you can be candid uh, i could be other, <laughs> yeah more so than you sir i, I <laughs> uh, definitely <laughs> yeah um what about you bart i know you were talking about doing some work on on the new ant-man movie but is there anything else that you got you got going on in the background that you want to tell everybody about uh, well, the Robo Doc coming out uh, again from the same guys that uh, yeah did the Pennywise. So looking forward to that uh, because we shot that before the so that was six years ago. Um, but let's see what uh, I just worked on the new Guardians of the Galaxy, both the holiday special and the movie, and the so that'll be out next May. I've uh, got the Haunted Mansion, the Disney's wow. uh, remake of that, so that's coming out. I think that might be out this like October. Um, there's a Jeffrey Dahmer Jeffrey Dahmer uh, miniseries from uh, Murph Ryan Murphy that I worked on a little um, a show called Babylon which uh, the guy that did La La Land his next movie so I was on that for you know a handful of days I seems like a lot of stuff I'm doing these days is I'm I'm, I'm working with friends so it's uh, it, which Best is way great to do it. it is and it's a lot of like when I did Bad Grandpa. Um, this friend of mine, Steve Prouty, who was in charge of it, he just called up and he goes, Hey, you want to help me? And, you know, and this other guy do a makeup on, you know, I don't even think he told me it was on Knoxville. I just like, yeah. oh, I'm, I'm going to be working. That with movie's you so funny. It's like, I don't care what it is. And then Knoxville was a, uh, just, you know, like the icing on the cake. And he's another guy like Jermaine Clement that I keep in touch with. And we always send off colored texts to one another. And you know, mm, that's just, awesome. that kind of thing's cool where it's like, well, who, you know, I never thought I would, you know, be pals you know with people like that so that that's you know, that's always fun uh but um uh yeah nothing uh i don't know what the next you know uh thing is i, I know uh, again the fan in me would love to work on the new fantastic four if there's some place for me on that i, I did michael chiklis's makeup on the the one from the early 2000s so okay, oh, really? wow. that was my yeah that was, that was my all-time favorite comic book and uh so the jack kirby run so if i could you know, work on the, you know, I think once the MCU, you know, gets their hands on it, we ought to get the movie that we should have gotten all along. So, that oh, great. great. You know, so, but uh, have you seen, did you see the uh, Chickless Fantastic Four? You know? I, I did. I did. I think, I think your work is extraordinary. Um, Thank you. The Spectral Motion just, created the stuff. So, yeah, but it's a great, uh, excellent work. Uh, the film itself, unfortunately, just falls short. It does, but uh, I thought it was much better than the 2015 one. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, you know, and I, I think a lot of it was hamstrung by just budgetary restraints. I mean, it was like, I think an $80 million, you know, movie and like the, the Sam Raimi Spider-Man was $200 million. And then, Yes. You know, so it's like, there's only so much you can do. I mean, uh, and I hate to, you know, I mean, budget does play a part in it. I don't, I don't know if you guys saw the Inhumans. Uh, I did, yeah okay which was unfortunate but 
but when you look at uh, if, if they tried to make Guardians of the Galaxy for the same money they spent on the Inhumans, you would not have had the same movie. You oh, wouldn't have for been sure. able to, Yeah, you wouldn't have been able to populate this world with all these characters. I mean, the Guardians movies are pretty unique in that everybody in that movie has got some kind of character makeup, you know, prosthetic makeup, something. And even half the time, you know, Chris Pratt's got something on. So it's rare that literally everybody in the frame, you know, and you can't do a complete original world like that on a shoestring budget so you know um i mean there's also just a bad script and shit like that comes into it too but you know but but again so like the the uh the chickless fantastic four i i you know it would have benefited from more money It, it may not have been a great movie but they didn't even have the money to do the proper set pieces that they wanted to do and we i remember we were doing reshoots on it and uh i'd be like well you know like you've got Reed Richards like walking across the room to pick something up. Why doesn't he just stretch and pick it up? And they go, Oh, we don't have the money for that. Oh, like, yeah. Well, <laughs> there you go. So anyway, I'm on fingers crossed and I'm, I'm hoping that we finally get, get to revisit it. it. Yeah. And, and get the one that the, the Kirby fan in me has been wanting to see since 1965. You know, so, you know, we Amazing. shall see, but, um, but yeah, so hopefully there'll be a few more fun, fun things like that but it's it's unfortunately it's kind of a slow period right now so there's not a lot <laughs> not a lot going on well you're um, definitely putting hands into everything you can at this point and it's really awesome yeah. to see you active that that's that's the main thing is being active in something and you're doing what you love you know definitely again they uh, like like i said earlier it's it's nice to be able to do you know do something for a living that you you know you're a fan that you enjoy doing and and i still i mean i'll bitch about having to get up at one o'clock in the morning (laughs) you know it's Mm -hmm. fun and you know that kind of stuff so yeah as long as as long as there's that so yeah i got a i got a few more years in me so awesome and this was an absolute blast um you don't know if you have any closing uh statements or anything you want to do before i close this up i guess i'll just put one more question for you bart because we we were talking earlier on about like all the all the body of work that you've done all the incredible things that you've done what would you say has been like the most challenging for you the piece that you've done or film movie that you've worked on i mean it's probably you've done so much it's probably hard to pinpoint anything but is there anything that stands out where you think man that was hard that was hard work that was challenging Um, well i mean stuff like um like fright night 2 and it uh, because those were my shows. I mean, I was, uh, even though I, mean, I was running the creature shop for fantasy two, but I was still, I was in charge. I was responsible, particularly like on Friday night two. Um, I did a, the bulk of the makeup effects, but Greg Canham, who was certainly an established name at that point, he did a couple of characters. So like my stuff had to, you know, be on the screen with his. So I had to make sure that, you know, my stuff was as, you know, comparable, you know? So, I mean, those were, uh, and just the, like, logistically something like it where we were building it in Burbank and, and shipping it to to Canada and the, that big spider. I, I don't think any of us had built anything that massive, you know, at that time. Um, I mean, that was, you know, before Jurassic Park and all that stuff or, you know, now they're being, they, you know, they build all kinds of huge stuff or they did until digital knocked it all out. Yeah. Um, but so, uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of just, you know, having to run the show and the re- being responsible for it. I mean, those were certainly some, you know, I think I probably, I think uh, Fright Night and It turned me completely gray. I think I started going gray on one and the other one, you know, yeah. completed it. So, so that kind of stuff, you know, but I mean, there's been, 
certainly difficult makeups, you know, like I, I worked on the ring movies, the little, you know, dead girl. Yeah. Well, and I mean, those were like five yeah. hour applications that, you know, three or four of us doing. So, I mean, those wow, were, okay. you know, involved makeups, but, but it wasn't my show. So there's a certain, you know, whenever you just kind of show up and go, okay, well, where's the stuff, yeah. you know, that I'm putting yeah. on. And it's, you know, it's not my responsibility to get it there. It's just my responsibility to apply it and make sure it looks good. Um, yeah. So that's a certain, you know, a certain burden that's, you know, relieved when you're not, you know, but I do miss doing my own shows. I mean, again, when I was things like it, where it was my, my project and it was my design and my sculpture. I mean, that's certainly rewarding, but you know, there's the, the good and the bad, you know, that yeah. you know, it's the old with great power comes great responsibility. Kind of <laughs> Absolutely. Um, but anyway, so um, yeah, I don't know if that fully answered your question, but you know. Oh yeah, man, definitely. You talked about Jared, you mentioned earlier on about how you, you hate CGI. I, I'm, I'm not a fan of CGI. And actually um, I recently met the guy who um, was, he was the marshmallow man in Ghostbusters, Billy Bryan. Oh yeah, Bill Bryan. Oh. Bill Bryant, yeah, really, really nice guy he was. And we were chatting about that as well. And he was telling me it's quite funny that it was there's that there's actually a scene in in Ghostbusters where he's wearing the Marshmallow Man costume. If you freeze frame it, split second, he's just wearing a regular t-shirt. <laughs> 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 between the between the buildings in New York. I thought that was quite funny. But yeah, he was he was saying about how much he dislikes CGI as yeah. well. We were having that conversation. It's, it's not only yeah, ruined live action funny. films, it's ruined um animation as well. I I I simply oh. uh, I it's ruined every aspect of, of, of film for me. I'm sorry. I don't, I don't want to sound like a hardliner, but as I've said, I'm, I'm not, I'm revisiting classics now uh, in order to get my, my fix of, of what I, of what I truly love about cinema, either in live action or, or in, in animation. I, I just, I, I don't like it at all. There's, there's some films I just hope they never remake because you know, like for example, yeah. I'm a huge fan of Labyrinth. I love that movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and you yes, just don't know touch for it. A fact that if they ever remake that, it's just going to be so CGI heavy. And and of course, no David Bowie. But yeah. I mean, it would be yeah. so CGI heavy. It'd be horrible to see that. And you know, just yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, it's the old uh, what was it? Cine Fantastique magazine that's unfortunately no longer with us, but they used Great, to yes. refer to the sense of wonder. And like yes. a, a friend of mine did the miniatures on Independence Day. And so wow. when they're blowing up New York and you're like, Jesus Christ, how do they do that? And you know, you're trying to picture this stage with all these models. And uh, like when some of the fireballs were going down the street, they had to hang them at a 90 degree angle. So that when the fire went up, it, you know, and then they, you know, it looked like it was going left to right, but it was really, you know, going up and down. And and then you watch something like San Andreas where like, you know, LA's fallen to pieces Ooh. and you're just like, well, it's not okay. watching a computer game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Totally no, not plus. Yeah. yeah. It's not like, Oh, how did they do that? Um, no, nah, yeah. I mean, I do like the digital stuff like Pan's Labyrinth where you've got Doug Jones in that goat costume and then they digitally, you know, he had like the goat legs in front of his legs and then they took his legs out so that, yeah. you know, so when you, I think when you use it as a tool to enhance, yeah, that's you yes. know things like that Good point. it's yeah. great and I, like when we did men in black uh, three on the first two men in blacks rick built these characters like top to bottom where you could any one of these characters could have done a whole movie and barry sonnenfeld would literally pan past it and go like okay i've seen it i don't want to see it again you know that's it mm -hmm. so you know we just spent hundreds of thousands of dollars and months worth of work so on the third one rick was like well you know i'm going to build this head and it's not going to have anything in it mechanically. And if you're on it long enough to where it needs to blink, then the digital guys can make it blink. 
And the digital supervisor was actually a high school friend of Rick's. So he wasn't there trying to screw us. He was actually there to work with us. Yeah. So it was, it was a nice, um, you know, melding of the two departments. You know, we would take it this far, then this guy would, you know, would enhance it. Or like I did Paul Bettany for uh, Infinity War and Civil War. And that's a certain degree of makeup. And then they go in and all the geometry in his face is, is done digitally. Like his eyes look like camera lenses. And so like, I think that's kind of a cool amalgam of the two but yeah too often you just get like uh we'll just do it all cgi and and then yeah you just get you know uh, a mess um you have movies like um was in rogue one where they had the peter cushing uh the digital peter yeah. cushing in and as i understand it they didn't even try to do a makeup they just said oh you know what we're just gonna do it cgi so it's like we're automatically gonna do the six i think it, that cost six million dollars to do the digital peter cushing and it's like wow. why don't you try the wow. you know two or three hundred thousand dollar approach yeah yeah save you know, some money somewhere <laughs> well, yeah. try it and if it needs some digital augmentation you know there's certainly you know makeup is an additive thing you can't subtract so if you need to make him a little gaunter you could digitally squeeze him a little or yeah. whatever but at least why don't you start with something that's tangible and physical um and then and then take it you know and use the digital to augment it and i did another not to i don't want to bore you guys too much with these stories no, i but, love this i love uh, it's great the goosebumps movie that came out a few years ago um they had these alien characters in it and, and the director was a, a digital guy i think he came from you know digital cartoons but they had these alien characters that for the whole shoot they had like a green sock on their head and they had these green foam core hands uh <laughs> so any shot that they're in even if they're out of focus in the background they had to digitally add these heads and these hands because of this green shit and then uh before we wrapped the show they decided they were gonna do a comic con appearance and they wanted one of these aliens there so they somebody made a um a mask to go you know over the head and they made these these hands and then the producer sees it you know uh and he goes you mean we could have been shooting with this the whole time (laughs) done the digital when you know when it mattered and when it needed to be digital and and again all these shots where it's in the background out of focus that could have been and it's like yeah it could have been and just that yeah. that somebody kind of doesn't even take that approach they don't say well let's you know do the economical and then let's you know let's do this other thing you know when just when we have to and i, I just can't i don't understand that you know but yeah, yeah. i'm not making those decisions <laughs> you know? good point another thing is those alien the aliens movies i mean like you can't beat the original cut you know with the with the using actual costume yeah suit yeah. on Cameras, Aliens, and the, and the original uh, Ridley Scott one, and whereas the the later Alien films are pretty much all CGI, and it's nowhere near as good as the original ones for me. No, yeah. I'm right there with Way you. Way more effective. Yeah, I mean, there's that shot in Cameron's Aliens where the they look up in the crawl space in the ceiling, and they're all my, oh man, yeah, it looks like a bunch of roaches swarming you. But that's yeah, that's all practical, and it's you Probably, know, and then yeah. yeah, then you see like what is it, Alien Three or Four, where it's all digital and yeah hopping around and you're just like oh who cares you know there's no weight to it there's no it just lacks the the tangible you know but again but at least in the alien stuff they they still 
you know, they'll do a mix. I mean, the first Jurassic Park, I thought was a good example of, yeah. I think there were six minutes of digital dinosaurs in that. So, you know, like a, what, a two hour movie and, you know, and again, I haven't done the math. What is six minutes of 120 minutes is, you know, that's like a, you know, 0.5 or something. And, and again, they just do it where they need it. And then the rest yeah. of it with Dan Winston stuff, you know, and that's, I think that's why that one's still the, the best one, you know, and, mm. But yeah, it's it's just a question of using the the right tool for the right job. Exactly, and that's how I view it too. Yeah, uh, this was a blast. Thank you, Bart and, and Jared, for you know taking some time out of your day. I know it's late on Dean and, and Jared's part, um, but this oh, it's was, been great. It was awesome. And um, well, thank it, you guys. I'm a I'm a fan of your show, like I said. And um, thank you. And and just I, I, again, I, I think. Uh, it's about time that uh, Mr. Mixon has been celebrated to this extent for his incredible and indelible uh, contribution to the horror genre with his, his creature. Uh, Pennywise. it's absolutely amazing. I'm, I'm just thrilled for him. So, and thrilled to be a part of the, the whole film. And thank you for taking the time guys. Well, I mean, thank you for, you know, agreeing. And now I can call both of you friends. This is, this is you nothing bet. that's, that's so crazy about doing, you know, a podcast. Um, and, and having guests on is like realizing like you just made a connection with these legendary people to yourself. Like both Jared and, and Barton, you guys are, are, are legends to me and, and, and to Dean. It's, it's oh, absolutely, man. Yeah. We do, we do a lot of film reviews as well, man. So baby, you've been a, a big horror fan, Jared. It'd be great to have you on down the line. Just come oh, and yeah. chat. Anytime. Like, I would love movie, to do that. Perhaps. Same yeah. with you, Bart. If you have time and you yeah. want to come on and discuss movies, like we sure. always open that up for our guests. Uh, Whoever they are, you know, if you want to come on and discuss a, a movie, um, I would love to shoot me an email anytime, guys. I would love it. Man. You got yeah. it. Same here, yeah. And if uh, you know, like you know, you want to talk about anything else I've worked on, I'm, I'm an. Oh open yeah, book. for sure, man. <laughs> Pretty much. So, yeah, no, this was fun. I always enjoy uh, doing these. This was certainly uh, one of the more pleasurable experiences I've had on some of these podcasts. So yeah, that uh, that really makes me so happy because. Every person who comes on here says the exact same thing you just said, Bart. Because I don't know what it is with other people like doing their shows. Like I don't know how they're running it or not. But when people come on here and say this was something I really enjoyed and, and like yeah. I haven't really had this experience with with other shows, whatever it be, it makes me feel really good that I'm doing a good job. So thank you. Thank well, you. it's again, it's like you're talking to to fans and people who have seen it and appreciate it. And, you know, I've, I've, done, I've done some others, which you just get some of these kind of like oddball questions. It's like, well, what mm -hmm. the hell that even got to do with, you know, with what yeah. we're here talking about, but, uh, but no, it, I mean, it does show and, and not just from the, the background, you know, <laughs> but yeah, no, you can tell that you guys are legitimate fans of, you know, and have an interest in this sort of stuff. So it's, oh, it's great to talk to, to fellow fellow fans so. yeah, we're, we're looking forward to it because we don't get Screenbox over here in the UK at the minute and that's the you can only get the Pennywise doc on Screenbox at the minute um, so we're kind of we're, we're sort of we've got I think we're chatting to the guy from Screenbox next week Dustin right yes we so are we're gonna give us a bit Alex. more of an insight as to when they're looking because obviously we get Shudder over here no Screenbox mm -hmm. yet I'm trying to get it on the VPN but yeah it'll be great when the Pennywise doc comes out over here in the uk for everyone to see as well yeah, mm -hmm. yeah we got a screener for for dean um gary sent us one over so he was able yeah. to watch it that way um but yeah sc screen box is is amazing right now and that's that's yeah, a whole incredible. nother conversation yeah well let, let us hear from you once you've seen it i'm sure you'll love it so uh it's it's yeah i'm glad they it's finally fun. uh 
Yeah, oh no, I have, I have actually seen it. Yeah, Gary sent me a, a screener through of the of the doc, but I'm just right. the documentary. Yeah, I'm just I'm just you know for everybody else because we we we've I think this is the third episode we've we've sort of been championing. Oh, the, oh that's the, true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, yeah. It, documentary. So I think for all the people that are listening in the UK, they're like, I really want to see this documentary now. But, it's worth yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Three hours of pure goodness. It's great. Mm. It's so Absolutely. good. Yeah. I've watched it. I think maybe. We got the screener a while ago, so I watched it, I think, twice from that, and then, like, another, like, three office screen box. Every time I watch it, I'm learning something something completely new that, that I missed, and hearing mm. it from everybody talking about their own experiences and whatnot is a blast. Yeah, I saw it and loved it. I was real happy with it, but I think it might be time for me to watch it again. Just to Yeah. Yep, let's all do it tonight. Let's just all just throw it on. Right. <laughs> we'll go watch her, a watch party. <laughs> it must be great reliving all, reliving all of that as well, watching that back. And it's just like, yeah, it's like an old home movie, isn't it? Just watching oh. part of your life. You know? Definitely, yeah. It is weird. There's some stuff I've worked on, like uh, RoboCop's been on TV a lot lately too. And there'll be yeah. certain scenes where it's like, ah, I remember that like it was yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> and there's other scenes where you're like, I have no idea. <laughs> I have no memory of that whatsoever. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, but just certain stuff just will trigger whatever memory, and it's like, oh my god! I mean, you guys were talking about them dropping uh, the balloons out the window with the Kool Aid on on RoboCop when we were in Pittsburgh. It was Halloween, and we were oh. throwing, throwing pumpkins <laughs> out of our windows. You know, so uh, <laughs> um, you know it's but yeah, it's just you know certain yeah certain things. It is, but it is great yeah to, to just to relive that stuff, and and again, it's just nice that you know. That's, a, that's an, another movie that's very, very close to my heart. Robocop, man. I was, I think, I think that that and Aliens were the first two. When, when, as a kid, the first two eighteen certificate movies that I ever watched. When I was, I can't remember. I was quite young, but yeah, Robocop, uh, another fantastic movie. Oh that's yeah, a good one. yeah. That'll be our next podcast. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Once that drops, for sure, we'll, we'll definitely talk about that. <laughs> but uh, cool. I'll, um, I'll go ahead, Bart. Oh, I'm sorry. Oh, I didn't know if you had anything to say. <laughs> oh, no, I think that was it. I'm good. Okay. Thanks um, for having me. Yeah, seriously, thank you for being on here. And we'll, we'll let everybody off the, the hook right now. Um, and, you know, our DMs are always open. This, whenever you want to come on and promote something or talk about something or you want to come on the show and talk about a movie, Jared or, or Bart, just, you know, let us know. I can send you um, some movies that we're doing this year. Um, or love to. I re- really would year. love to. Yeah, you got it, man. I'll, I'll send you the list. Um, I'll, I'll send it to you uh, tomorrow so that way it's a fresh day that it's oh, not great. so late for you so I'll do that tomorrow for you and Bart I'll do the same for you as well oh, sure. be great. Great. this was a blast and uh, thank you for taking the time out of the day to come and do this yeah, thanks, thank guys. you guys uh, All right. Yeah, thank you yep. thank you very much keep up the great work as well keep for up sure. the fantastic work Bart. <laughs> oh yeah so, <laughs> this was take care Barons. guys oh thank you this was the Barons Hideout Podcast I was your host, Dustin. And I was your co-host, Dean. And uh, we will catch you guys on the next one.